Welcome to Center Ice. It is August 2nd. It is the civic holiday here in Ontario. For those of you celebrating, we hope you're having a great long weekend. It's a very special episode of Center Ice this week, as for the first time in over a year, Mac and I are in the same room recording Center Ice. We've got lots to talk about today, actually. The off-season, to say the least, has been absolutely insane. Lots and lots of moves. We'll get all into that in a moment, but I'm going to pass over to Mac. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's, it's great to be back in the same place. Uh, I've been waiting a long time for this. So let's talk about the off-season. I mean, like you said, just one of the craziest off-seasons we've seen in a while, and specifically for a few teams. So let's start with the Philadelphia Flyers, okay? You and I were high on the Flyers going into last year, and they really disappointed us. We weren't the only ones. And then... You know, they go into this offseason and they're like, we want to improve. We want to be harder to play against. And, you know, I, I don't know if you had the same reaction as me, but when they traded for Ryan Ellis, I had some concerns. But I was like, Ryan Ellis is a really good player. I really like that trade. And I was like, OK, let's see what he does next. Next moves gives up a boatload for Rasmus Ristolainen. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> Next move, signs Keith Yandel, who is an absolute liability, and Florida just waiting to get rid of him. And then, like, yeah, you trade Voracek for Cam Atkinson, and there's still a lot of areas on this team that are not strong. I just, I'm not a huge fan of what Philly has done. No, neither am I, and... You gotta wonder what's this. You know what? What direction does Philly want to go here? Do they want to get back into contention? Do they want to rebuild? It? And these moves are kind of all over the place. We don't know whether. We really don't know. And I look at it and I think all these moves, Mac, are just leading to mediocrity. Is what it is. And look, I don't mind Ristolainen. I think he's a good player. But what you paid for him is way too much. I, I'll, I'll say this, Mac. It's bad if Buffalo is fleecing you. It's really bad. And I think that if, if you're a Flyers fan, you really got to wonder, what is my team doing? I don't have very high expectations for the Flyers. It is an even year, Mac, and they tend to have a uh, on-year, off-year sort of thing going with the Flyers. But you look at that roster, they still have some major holes on defense. Goaltending is still a question. I do think Carter Hart's going to bounce back this year. But there's no guarantees about that. Uh, absolutely not. The offense is, has always been pretty good, but injuries, again, could really hurt them like they did last year. And there's just not a lot of depth there. They've got some good pieces in places, but they haven't done anything to improve the gaping holes that they've had on that Flyers team, which is defense and consistent goalies for the last few years. And I I just think it's going to be um, kind of middle of the road finish, which I think is honestly a worst case scenario if you're a Flyers fan, because at least if you're finishing bottom 10 in the league, you're going to get a top 10 pick in the draft and playoffs as well, playoffs. But finishing around the middle, it kind of gives you the... And, Unless you're a team that's on the rise like Detroit and Ottawa, for example, it's not really where you want to be because you don't have the benefits of getting a high draft pick and you don't have the benefits of going to the playoffs. So if you're Philly, I think you got to decide which way are we going to go. Do we think we can build around this core more or do we need to tear it down? And I don't quite know what the answer is yet. 
but I think we're going to know this year. Yeah, for sure. And one team I want to flip to is the Arizona Coyotes, because you and I have been very vocal and critical of teams like Arizona, San Jose, Nashville, but Arizona in particular, because we haven't really had a chance to see what Bill Armstrong is like as a GM. But Matt, I have to tell you, he has done an unbelievable job this offseason getting rid of bad contracts like Ekman Larson. Thank you, Jim Benning, by the way. And yeah, you had to give up Connor Garland. But you look at now he has seven picks in the first two rounds next year in the NHL entry draft. And apparently he's still trying to get rid of Phil Kessel. He got a premium return for Darcy Kemper because he saw an opportunity to basically say, hey, Colorado, you're effed. So how about this Darcy Kemper guy? You're going to have to pay a lot for him. And they got Connor Timmons, who's a great defense prospect, and a first-round pick. I mean, in my opinion, he has done an unbelievable job even with the draft, getting Gunther where they got him, I think Bill Armstrong deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. And sure, there's a lot of work left to do, but I like what he's done so far. As do I. I think the Coyotes have been one of the pleasant surprises we've seen this offseason. You're right about Ekman Larson. That was a big move. And once again, thanks, Jim Benning. But Bill Armstrong, he's a GM of opportunity, obviously. And he, he saw an opportunity with Colorado in the goaltending need. And he saw an opportunity for Benning really wanting to make a splash move. And he said, all right, you can take OEL off our hands. Yeah, you lost Garland, as you mentioned. But I'd say it evens out since you no longer have to worry about that OEL contract. That contract being off the books now is going to save the Coyotes so much money. It's going to free up a lot of options for Bill Armstrong to bring in some good complimentary pieces. Now, I'll be interested to see what he does with Clayton Keller. I think he'll keep him around more than likely, but you never know. With a team like the Coyotes, they could absolutely find another sucker like Jim Benning to take Clayton Keller's contract, and I like Clayton Keller. I'm a Keller fan. I have been on this show for quite a while, but I'll say I think he's getting too much money. I think the Coyotes impulse signed him to that long-term deal, and it could still turn it around and pay dividends for him but I don't think it'll ever quite the money he's getting paid I don't think he'll ever quite meet the production that that contract is giving is paying him for but we'll see I like what the Coyotes are doing you mentioned seven picks in the first round that's a really good thing you look at teams like Anaheim Ottawa Detroit teams that have really full cupboards of prospects that are just blue chip prospects are gonna make a big impact in the NHL that's how you do it nowadays to rebuild you gotta stockpile those draft picks and it's a bit early to speculate on the 2022 draft, but it should be another good year, especially now that leagues like the OHL and the WHL are going to be going again this fall. It's going to make scouting easier. Uh, as Steve mentioned on our last episode, scouting this year was certainly difficult. So I think the Coyotes have set themselves up for some decent success in the long run. I'll be very curious to see what Jim uh, Jim Benning... Well, of course I'm always curious to see what Jim Benning is doing, what Bill Armstrong's doing. Yeah, for sure. And I'll end that note on when they drafted Gunther, he put on a draft hat and it had the Kachina logo on it. So maybe they're going to that full time. We'll, we'll have to see. So here's a team that you and I weren't really sure what to expect in the offseason from, and that's the Winnipeg Jets. Really disappointing end to the season last year, although they were kind of up and down and inconsistent. They were a flawed team. Even though they had a lot of good players, they had really no defense and really not a great backup goaltender. So they go out and they trade for Brendan Dillon, who is 
probably a top four defenseman. So they traded for Nate Schmidt, and they didn't give up much to get him. Now, he is a little bit of a question mark because he didn't have a great year. But right now, they have four good defensemen. Last year, they had two in Dylan DeMello and Neil Pionk. So, yeah, they have to re-sign Pionk. But now they've got four dependable defensemen, and you can always create a bottom pair that's kind of defense first, offense first, pick whatever you want. They signed Eric Comrie. They re-signed Paul Stastny. I mean, bottom line, this has been a very good offseason, draft included, with who they got in the draft for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say this, Mac. I was surprised that the Kraken didn't take a shot at DeMello. Uh, uh, We all knew it was going to be between Appleton and DeMello. I thought they were going to take Appleton, but... I was really thinking towards the end there that they were going to take DeMello, so Winnipeg's certainly happy to keep him around. And I think Winnipeg, they had some real struggles last year. I don't think it addresses all the issues. They've still got a lot of work to do. But uh, as Canadian teams go, I'd say they've had one of the best off-seasons of the 49th parallel. All right, well, let's move on to a Canadian team... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were both laughing here for a good reason because they, they did not they are not having such a great offseason and I only need to say two words to you Mac to sum up the offseason Cody Cece <laughs> and look Cody Cece I'd say uh, where Pittsburgh put him in a third pairing role limited minutes you and I said on the show that's where he would find success and he did find success in that role with Pittsburgh Ken Holland looks on the free agent market, sees Cody Cece available, and signs him to a multi-year deal north of a million. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it, Mac. And the Oilers have just been a disaster this offseason. I really don't know what Edmonton's thinking. You and I have talked about it on the show before. You and I have called them pretenders for a while now. And this just reinforces it, in my opinion. I don't see how the Oilers can make the playoffs next year. The only way they do it is Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl again dragging that, dragging the rest of the team into the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs, I think they're going to get swept again. I really... I'm amazed that people aren't more skeptical and pessimistic about the Edmonton Oilers because I see the moves Holland's making. He left some big pieces exposed. And then they lose... Adam Larson in the expansion draft. And who do you bring in to replace him, Mac? The wonderful corpse of Duncan Keith. Now, look, this would be a good move five, six years ago, but Chicago, they probably had to say, excuse me, Ken, you want to? And for what? (laughs) Sure, you can take Duncan Keith off our hands. I just don't get it, Mac. Edmonton... Uh, we've said it before. They've got three or four years to really impress Dryside Old McDavid because both their contracts are coming up semi soon. And there's no way either one of those two are going to stick around in Edmonton if Edmonton doesn't start making good moves to become a contender soon. I think that Edmonton's got three, four years left in McDavid, and that's it. And they better start moving, they better start making some good moves quick because otherwise. They're going to be a McDavidless team in a few years, and they're going to be back to uh, bottom feeders in the league pretty quickly. I, I'm amazed that management hasn't fired Ken Holland yet because 20 years ago, Ken Holland, GM mastermind, he was the guy that made the Red Wings dynasty. But Ken Holland still has that old-school thinking, and it just doesn't work in today's league. And I think that as long as Ken Holland is there, I don't see Edmonton improving, to tell you the truth. 
I was willing to give him a little bit of rope because, you know, maybe with the Illich family in Detroit, he was held back or he was really stuck with what the Red Wings had. But then you look at what Stevie Eiserman's done in such a short time with the Red Wings, and we'll get to that soon. And he's really started turning them around quick. So I really think it's a Ken Holland thing. And I, I think at, at ownership in Edmonton needs to see that soon because Edmonton's only going to keep digging themselves deeper, and they got to start digging themselves out of that hole soon, or McDavid and Dreisaitl are both gone. Yeah, I mean, you know our thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers. Like, we fully expected the Oilers to be very active. It was just a matter of what kind of moves they were going to make. And you and I were very skeptical. And sure enough, like he said, trade for Duncan Keith, who is not half the player he used to be. You lose Adam Larson for nothing. You're basically depending on Mike Smith to have the type of season he had last year when he's 40 years old, more than 40 years old, actually. And it was one of his best seasons of his career. I don't know if he's going to repeat that again. You still have Koskinen as your backup goalie who you're paying over $4 million for. It's just, and I don't understand the Ethan Bear trade. Why would you trade one of your best young defensemen for a borderline third or fourth line forward who is a good player but nothing special? Again, it's just really bad asset management by Ken Holland. And like I said, I'll continue to say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he was a product of the people around him. And the people around him in Detroit helped him make some very good decisions. But when he was alone and on his own in Detroit, and Stevie Eiserman have moved on, Shanahan, all the Jim Nill especially, these guys had moved on, his GM skills really suffered. Or maybe they weren't that great in the first place. And Detroit basically was a mess for a while. They had all these old guys on contracts that you have to buy out or bury. And now Steve Eiserman comes in. It's been, what, two, three years? And he's doing a tremendous job. And meanwhile, Ken Holland is GM of a team with Dreisaitl and McDavid, and they're still bad. Mm-hmm. And he continues to make them worse, I would argue. And, and let's not forget, Mac, they also signed Zach Hyman as well. And look, if they didn't give him the term and money that he got, I'd say, yeah, that's a good deal. Hyman's a good complimentary piece. But they gave him way too much money for way too much term. And I think that's going to come back and bite him fairly soon. But uh, we could go on and on for an entire episode about what Edmonton's been doing and how it's been frustrating us for years. But let's move on to another team, a team that's certainly been frustrating you, Mac, the Carolina Hurricanes. Because Carolina, to me, going into the offseason, yeah, you lost it against the Lightning. But really, that's nothing to hang your head too hard about. They played okay against the Lightning, but you could tell they needed to get some more depth, a little more scoring depth, improve the goaltending situation, and we knew that was coming with Nadokovic. We knew that was coming very soon. It was some patience and adding a few more pieces, and they would have been there. They would have been good to go. And I I really do wonder, what, what is Carolina doing? Because... You've taken this team that's close to being a contender, and you've lost your goalie of the future. You've signed frickin' D'Angelo to a contract, and I thought GMs just assumed that we should not approach D'Angelo because, A, he's not that great of a defenseman, and, B, he's a toxic player. And 
I don't care what you think about his politics and stuff, but you don't sign players like that because if they carry a stigma because it's just it's not a good look on the organization no matter how you look at it. And then after, the best part, the icing on top of the cake here, Mac, is you trade Novakovic and you bring in Frederick Anderson. And now uh, I'll pass the mic over to Mac here because uh, Frederick Anderson you have strong feelings on. And uh, how do you feel about this? Delkovich out, Frederick Anderson in. Yeah, th- that was extremely puzzling because you talk about Nadelkovich, you put in three, four, five years of developing this guy, and he's finally ready. He's a Calder finalist last year. He plays very well in the playoffs. He, I would say he let in maybe two or three bad goals really the entire playoffs. He was excellent. And then, like you said, you just say, oh, he wants $2.53 million. We'll see ya. We don't want to pay him that. When that's really less than, you know, 70, 80% of starting goalies are making. And he only wanted, I think it was two years. And, hey, Steve Eiserman is one of the smartest GMs in the league. And he was like, hey, I'll take him. You don't want him? Give me him. And he did. And that's why... You know, the Carolina Hurricanes, first of all, we knew there were financial restrictions with this team. But what we didn't know was they would approach this offseason in the strangest way. And first of all, Dougie Hamilton, they put out feelers. They said, okay, we want to figure out what this guy is worth. Maybe we can do a sign and trade. And I think they undervalued what he was worth. I think they thought he was going to get six to seven, maybe. They were totally wrong on that. They had an opportunity to move some guys around and re-sign him. But instead, like you said, they don't pay Nadalkovich. They really don't make a whole lot of changes to their roster. And now you're bringing in all these questionable players and you lose Dougie Hamilton to nothing for nothing to the New Jersey Devils. And you mentioned Freddie Anderson. Now, if you guys are kind of unfamiliar with Freddie Anderson because... He has been in Toronto for a while. Freddie Anderson was very good at the start of his career. But now he's over 30 years old. He's overplayed. He gets injured a lot. He's extremely inconsistent, and he lets in a lot of soft goals. Would I like to see him rebound in Carolina? Sure. Do I think it's going to happen? Honestly, I would be surprised. I think more than likely, Antiranta is going to start. The question is, is he going to stay healthy? But, yeah, just... Uh, yeah. I just question everything I know about the Hurricanes right now. Like, I thought of them as this progressive organization. They wouldn't sign guys like D'Angelo. They would never devalue a really good young goalie who was asking for a modest payday. And just, yeah, I'm concerned more than anything, really. And I think you're right to be because we've seen teams make moves like this and it's come back to cost them and let's not forget they're going back to the metro division this year so they're going to be in a much stronger division competition is going to be very tight and i think they're going to be fighting tooth and nail for a playoff spot and with the moves they made now they could turn out to be brilliant moves but do i think they will be no i think they're going to be in for in the fight for a playoff spot and Frederick Anderson might get hurt. He might have a bad game, and it could cost them their season right there. But we will see. Now let's get on to a team that's made some pretty good moves. Mac, the Dallas Stars. They haven't really been talked about much this offseason, but they've quietly had themselves a really good offseason. You start by signing Ryan Suter. You extend you extend Heiskanen for a, a good deal, and you and I are both fans of Mira Heiskanen. We have been since he burst into the league. And I, I really like... The direction Dallas is going here, Mac. I think it's a slow but steady return to where they were. 
the a uh, couple years ago because, or a couple seasons ago, I should say, because last season was a rough season to say the least, and they certainly got hit hard by the injury bug. And but I really do think, Matt, that a lot of teams are going to sleep on Dallas this year. And they shouldn't be. I think Dallas is going to have a rebound year. Yeah, that's a great point you made. And I expect them to be good this year. If you start with the Ryan Suter signing, I mean, talk about hauling one of the best defensive defensemen away from Minnesota for, again, you paid him a modest salary. You brought in Yanni Hockenpah, who's a defense first defenseman. And he was very good on the Hurricanes last year in the playoffs. Also on Anaheim, he was impressive. But yeah, Braden Holpe, one year, two million, a little bit of insurance just in case Hudobin or Bishop get injured. And you look at their contract situation, you've got to extend Klingberg next year. But then you have Radulov coming off the books at a high number, Pavelski coming off the books at a high number. Both those contracts, if they choose to bring one of those guys back, they will be for less. And they've really locked up all their core guys. And if you look at last year, I mean... You mentioned injuries. I mean, it was COVID, right? They were hit so hard by COVID. And basically their season was kind of on hold for most of the year. They were never really able to get into a rhythm. But I agree with you. I fully expect them to rebound. I really like the moves they've made. I'm expecting guys like Guryanov and Hintz to have better years. Jason Robertson had a fabulous rookie year. So... Yeah, the, to me, the Stars and Jim Nill, I mentioned Jim Nill earlier. I think he's one of the best GMs in the league. And I think if you give him a little bit of time to kind of fix this situation in Dallas, he can. And he knows they have to get younger. He knows they're a little bit too old. So I think he's working on that. But you can't kind of do that right away. And he's not the type of GM that will panic and trade away old players for young players when you don't have to do it. So... Yeah, I'll give them full marks. I think they've had a great offseason so far. All right, we're going to flip back to a team that I would argue has had a pretty bad offseason. They haven't been talked about as much, although I think they should be. The Montreal Canadiens, Stanley Cup finalists this year. Uh, I would argue a fluke Stanley Cup final appearance. And this is another team where, once again, we're questioning Bergevin's moves. And you look at what they've done. First off, you draft uh, Logan Malou, who did not want to be drafted. He renowned, He came out publicly. He said he does not deserve to be drafted. Montreal takes a shot on him anyway. And then they released some phony statement. I didn't even read it, to tell you the truth, because I knew it was just a bunch of corporate BS. And then Carey Price is injured. He could be out much longer than they're saying. At the moment, they're thinking he'll be back for the start of the season. But considering the in- type of injury he had, the surgery he had, the recovery it'll take, I think I'd expect more November, December. And Montreal, I question a lot of their moves too. Shea Weber's not going to be playing again next year. So there's one of your top defenders gone. He might not even play ever again. And that, So that could be some dead cat for quite a while. And then you lost to No, you lost to Tar. And I, I just wonder, what is Montreal's goal here? Because they must think they're contenders or something now that they've made the Stanley Cup final. But they aren't. They, they made a fluke finals appearance. And if I were the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, which I'm not, unfortunately, I would, be play, I would say, yes, it's great we made the Stanley Cup final, but I continue to work on a rebuild because that's what you were in going into this season. 
but everyone, everyone around the league, at least in the media, seems to think for the last couple of years, oh, Montreal is this great team. They're going to make the playoffs in 2020. They made it in 2021. Montreal is great, but they aren't great. They don't have a lot of depth. Their goaltending is reliant on Carey Price. If Carey Price isn't top tier, Montreal is going to lose. The defense can be non-existent some nights. When it is there, it's injured. And the offense, although it's pretty good in the top six, there's still a lot to be desired in the bottom six. I know I'm a Sens fan, so there is a bit of bias in there. But Montreal is not a good team, and I think people need to get that through their head. Because Montreal, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year. They're going back into the Atlantic. You've got teams like Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Florida. Ottawa's getting better. Detroit's getting better. And, well, Buffalo's Buffalo, but that's besides the point. I, I really do think Montreal is not going to have a good year, and they also have a tough schedule. They have a lot of back-to-backs going into this season, and now that we've seen the schedule, it's going to be a very condensed schedule, lots of back-to-backs, and if Carey Price is going to be out for a sizable amount of time, Montreal's goaltending depth is not there. I, I, I like Jake Allen, but Montreal, if they're solely relying on him, it's not going to go well. And we'll see. We'll see. But I, the, as of now, I think it's only going to get worse for Montreal. And remember, the offseason is still ongoing, so Bergevin could still make a Bergevin move that makes us all puzzle what he's doing. And oh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I just I don't have much confidence in Montreal, Mac. And I, I imagine you don't either. No, I agree with everything you just said. And the other thing is, for Montreal, I mean... You mentioned the forward group. You've kind of got two good lines, but now without Tatar, maybe two good lines. And the other thing that is is really alarming for me is that, you know, everybody's talking about how Mark Bergevin is on the hot seat. And we were talking about this all year. We were talking about this last year, the year before, because we questioned a lot of things he did, with the exception of drafting. They were very good at drafting. But then all of a sudden they make this run and oh wow, look what a great GM Mark Bergevin is. Let's nominate him for GM of the year. What the, excuse me, F is that? That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen and he in no way deserves to be anywhere near GM of the year. And I agree with you, it was a fluke. I'm not saying they're a bad team. They played well, they you know, knocked out some weaker teams. The Leafs are the Leafs. They self-imploded, like you told me earlier. The Jets were a joke. They had, you know, half a defense. Now they have two more good defenders, so they'll be tougher to play against. And then Vegas, I think they just kind of ran out of gas, to be honest. And Vegas has their issues as well, as we've talked about. And we'll get into them in a little bit here. But yeah, just... And then the Logan Mayu thing. I mean, first of all, Being the team that picks a guy who does something so inappropriate and has renounced himself from the NHL draft, first of all, it's a PR nightmare. And second of all, it makes your team, the league, and everybody else look really bad because everybody was aware of this. This wasn't just a story in the hockey news. This was a story everywhere in sports media. And what I heard is the Montreal Canadiens were getting threatened from their big-time financial sponsors that they were going to pull out because of all these things that they were doing. Losing Deneau for nothing, drafting Logan Mayu, this, that, this, that. I, I don't like where they're heading. 
And look, they've got some great players that I really like. I love Tyler Toffoli. I really like this Romanov kid. You and I are big Nick Suzuki guys. Josh Anderson is a good player. They've got some guys I like, but they're just such a flawed and and not well set up team. And and I'm not big on Mark Bergevin. Like I said, I I don't know how he got nominated for GM of the Year. I'm really glad he didn't win, because if he won, I would be even more upset than I am right now. (laughs) All right, let's uh, move to their big rival, the Boston Bruins, who I'd say have had a pretty good offseason overall. They've uh, brought back Taylor Hall. I'm amazed how cheap they were able to get Taylor Hall back. They've got, because of his struggles, they were able to get him on a discount. It might be a a slight risk, but if Taylor Hall can rekindle the magic he had when he was in New Jersey, we're going to look back on that deal, Mac, and say, wow, what a steal from the Bruins. And the Bruins, uh, the Bruins just find a way, Mac, to uh, keep going. They brought back Linus Allmark to be their starter. Assigned Nick Foligno. You and I were big on Nick Foligno when he got traded to the Leafs at the deadline. Unfortunately, he didn't quite do as much in the playoffs as we were hoping, but arguably the Leafs as a whole didn't do much anything in the playoffs, so that can be excused. Uh, unfortunately, Dave Krejci is retired. That, that'll hurt. But overall, the Bruins are staying the course. I like what they're doing. And I think they're going to be another force to be reckoned with in the Atlantic next year, just like they have the past five or six years. Yeah, I mean, they're just a well-managed team. And they not only have they brought back Taylor Hall at a good price, they re-signed Brandon Carlo to a good deal. And they also, I thought bringing in Allmark at that price, he's a really intriguing goalie because you're talking about a guy who really gave Buffalo, as bad as Buffalo is, a chance to win. And he's in the prime of his career now. I believe he's 25, 26 years old. This is an opportunity for him and Jeremy Swayman, who was very good in limited action last year, to do as good a better or better of a job sharing that crease that Tuka Rask did. And Tuka Rask has had a long and great career. But you're talking about a guy who has a hard time staying healthy now, He's on the wrong side of 30. And I think they were right to make the decision to say he's probably not worth bringing back at this point. We understand everything he's done for the team. And maybe if he gets healthy, we can sign him to a cheap deal and give us some goaltending insurance. But we look at the market and we say, hey, we can get this guy Allmark at a good price, give him an opportunity to play for a winning team, a team that plays very good defense and is a contender. And like you said, with Taylor Hall, I mean, they got him for such a great price. He played, I don't know, I want to say 20, 30 games with Boston, and he looked like the old Taylor Hall. He looked like Buffalo never happened. <laughs> the only thing that is is a little concerning is the Krejci thing because he's a, he's a very important part of their organization, and losing that second-line center to retirement is going to be tough. They're going to have to find a way to fill that void, and I don't know if it's Charlie Coyle. I think Charlie Coyle might be a better third-line center than second-line center, and they're paying him like a second-line center. But they have time to figure that out. Overall, really good offseason for Boston. All right, uh, let's move over to a team that going into this season and even going into the playoffs, you and I are riding really high on them, but now I don't know. 
how I feel about the Mac, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. Let's start out with one of the biggest losses for Colorado. You lose Grubauer for nothing to Seattle. Seattle was running all the way to the bank with Grubauer, and for good reason. He's going to be their goalie. He's going to be a solid goalie for them. I like that move. You trade Ryan Grave to New Jersey, and I, I do think that that one's going to come back and bite them eventually. You gave up a premium for Darcy Kemper, as we mentioned earlier in the show, and Really, overall, New Colorado hasn't gotten better in areas they need to get better. They did resign Landis Gog, which was good, but arguably they pay. I'd say they paid more for him than they should have. I, I like Landis Gog, I really do, but compared to other guys on your team that will need a contract soon, and guys that are much better, I think they overpaid for Landis Gog. But overall, Colorado. I don't like them. I don't like the direction they're heading because I said, I'm pretty sure I even said this on our last episode, the one before with before we interviewed Steve. I said Colorado is almost there, but they need a few more pieces. They've got the cap space to make some moves this off season, and they. I, I'm not saying they need to make a big splash move, but there were pieces available that they probably could have gotten for a decent price, and they didn't go for it. For example, for what you gave up for Darcy Camper, you could have gotten a decent defenseman or an extra forward or something like that. But I think Colorado will still be a good team, Mac, but they're, still, they're a team with the same flaws they had last year. And I think goaltending might be a bit of an extra flaw. I, I like Darcy Camper a lot. I think he's a good goalie when he's healthy. But that's the key, if he stays healthy. Because if he goes down, well, now goaltending depth becomes an issue for Colorado all of a sudden. I, I just think Colorado is wasting all this, all the cap space they have and all the extra assets they have that they could give up to improve their team a lot. I'm not saying they need to go for Jack Eichel, for example. I don't think they need that. What they need is a bit more depth, and they aren't addressing their defense or offense, especially their offensive depth in particular, is a very glaring hole with the Colorado Avalanche. And we really noticed it against the Vegas Golden Knights because as soon as Vegas found Colorado's system, they made the adjustments, and they shut down Nick McKinnon, Landis Cog, and everyone who was good on their team, which is only two lines, mind you, for the rest of the series in Colorado had no chance. So Colorado, same issues, a couple improvements, a few big losses. I think they'll make the playoffs next year, Mac, but I don't know if they're going to win the division. Case in point, Minnesota, I think they're good. They're getting better, and they're only going to get better, and I think Minnesota still may make some moves before the offseason is done. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't really understand what Colorado has done here because I think they're kind of like Carolina where they really misevaluated the value of certain players. If they had realized that, okay, Grubauer is going to ask for, you know, around $6 million a year, and if we don't offer that to him, we're going to lose him for nothing, they probably would have signed him. But instead, now you're overpaying a guy like Landeskog because he's your captain and he was threatening to leave, and then you don't have enough money left because you have to sign Kale McCarr. And then, obviously, we mentioned Don Skoy, he went to Seattle. But, like, if they had evaluated their options better. And I don't say this often about Joe Sackick. I think they would have been a better position here because maybe you could have made the trade for Kemper earlier. And you said, what if we lose Grubauer for nothing? Hmm. 
we got to do something. But instead, they waited. And Bill Armstrong, like I said, credit to him, was like, hey, you guys need a goalie. We got one. But you're going to have to pay a lot. And Joseph was like, okay, 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 I'll do it. Because he knew he had to, right? This is a contending team, and they deserve a chance to potentially be in the running to win a cup. But I agree with you. They've lost a lot. And it's not just them. Let's quickly touch on Tampa Bay here because Tampa Bay has lost a lot. Yeah, Tampa has certainly lost a lot, although I'd say you and I expected that. You and I absolutely expected them to lose a lot. They were going to lose someone big in the expansion draft, and they obviously did in Yanni Gord. And I think that Tampa, you and I were talking a few weeks back, and I said, Tampa's not going to be as good as they are this year, next year. I think I said they're slowly going to start falling out of contention. I think we're slowly starting to see that. They're going to be a good team next year, no doubt about it. But they've lost pieces. They've got guys that are on the wrong side of 30, and I think they're going to lose guys to retirement, free agency, etc., etc. And Tampa, I'd say, has had a neutral offseason overall. They they haven't had a great one, for sure. But it's going to be a... uh, Slow decline for Tampa, and I don't think I'll, I'll tell you this, Mac. I don't think there's much that they can do to prevent that. It's what happens with every contending team, and we're seeing that with Tampa. And with the cap space, the cap issues they had, all the players they had, it was inevitable. But Tampa still going to be good next year. I, I think next season could be a really rough off season for them, though. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And if you look at what they've lost, I mean, first let's talk about David Savard, who Montreal. We didn't mention this when we were talking about Montreal, but that was one of the good moves Montreal made. He went to Montreal, and he's a very solid defensive defenseman that they were able to get for their Stanley Cup run, and he won a Stanley Cup. Not only that. Blake Coleman, gone to Calgary, got his payday, which he deserved. That's a really good player, gone. Barkley Goodrow, gone to New York. Sure, was he worth that much money? I don't know. But they're going to miss a guy like that. Luke Shen, gone, a depth defenseman who can play in the playoffs. You brought back Zach Bogosian, okay. You know, they also Yanni Gord. You mentioned Yanni Gord. That's another guy they're going to miss a lot. So... There's no way, in my view, they're going to be as good as they have been the last few years. It's almost impossible. They don't have the depth. The one thing I will say about Tampa Bay is they're very good at developing players. And Julian Breesbaugh is a very smart GM. So what I will say is if he can find an opportunity to improve that forward core and maybe buy low on players and get players at the right price... There's an opportunity to really extend the window because you have all these elite players like McDonough, Hedman, Chernak, Vasilevsky, Kucherov, Point, etc. But if he goes into next season with this current roster, I don't see it. I don't see a three-peat. And it's very hard to do, but I think there's a lot of teams that have gotten better, and I there's no question Tampa Bay has gotten worse. The one thing they have going for them is they've got Hedman, Kucherov, Point, and Vasilevsky. Those are four playoff performers. They love playing in the playoffs. But like Steven Stamkos, if they can't move that contract, they're going to be in trouble because he is a declining player who was basically invisible in the playoffs and has been declining for years. And I understand he's their captain, and I understand it's a hard thing to do. But if you don't find a way to move that contract, it's going to be like the John Tavares thing in Toronto. He's going to hold you back from being as good as you can be. 
And there's only so many opportunities you'll have to trade for players that are cheap and are good players that are going to become free agents like Coleman and Savard and stuff like that. Let's wrap up with the Vegas Golden Knights, Mac, and another team where... I question their moves. You trade Marc-Andre Fleury for basically nothing to Chicago, and you don't even tell them. They didn't even have... That's what frustrates me the most about Vegas' offseason, Mac. You trade Fleury, but you don't even have the common courtesy to call him up, a guy that's been the face of your franchise literally since day one, and say, hey, thanks for your service, but you're, you know we're moving you to Chicago... And that's where you're going. I get, I get why they did it. I think they could have gotten more for Fleury. I, I, I get why they want to go with Leonard. But it just look, it's such a bad look on the organization, Mac, in my opinion. Other than that, not a whole lot of notable moves. They uh, did acquire Afghani Dadnoff from Ottawa for Nick Holden. And I, I think that could be a very beneficial trade. Uh, Dadnoff in Ottawa didn't quite work out, unfortunately, for Sens fans. But I think he's going to have a lot more star power around him in Vegas. That could end up paying some real dividends. They did extend Alex at Martinez. I do like that move. Alex Martinez is a great defender, and he's been great in his time in Vegas. But once again, you can't help but think about the flurry stuff. And uh, he does say he's going to play in Chicago, which is great for Chicago. But oh, what, what a horrible PR nightmare from the Vegas Golden Knights. And all they had to do to avoid a Mac was give him a call before they announced the trade saying, thanks for you know pouring your blood, sweat, and tears into the organization. We're moving you to Chicago. Thanks again. Something like that. Instead, he heard about it on social media like the rest of us. Yeah, totally. So we've talked a lot about winners and losers of the offseason, but I want to talk about the biggest loser of the offseason. And hint, hint, it's not a team. It is the National Hockey League. So first of all, let's let's look back here. You have the Seattle expansion draft where all you have to do is prevent leaks and you could have announced the draft a day earlier so that leaks didn't come out. But no, ESPN takes on this broadcast and I felt terrible for them because they just wanted to have fun. A lot of them were new hockey broadcasters that were coming over from other sports and they were trying to put together a show but yet they knew all the picks 24 hours beforehand. So, like, they can only act so surprised. And obviously there's going to be a bit of a transition and some rough spots when you go from being a major football and baseball network to being a hockey network. But the NHL did not do a good job of setting that up for them. And the spectacle was great. I thought it was really good TV. Yeah, it was a little funny and entertaining and kind of sloppy but you you would expect that especially when a new network is taking over so you have that now here's the biggest thing the chicago blackhawks investigation into brad aldridge who is just it's unbelievable that the nhl will just try and sweep this under the rug and think it's just going to go away and this is not just a story in the nhl it's a story everywhere and it's not going anywhere. They have not announced any sort of official investigation, but guess what? Evander Kane apparently is gambling on his games. The NHL has launched a full-fledged investigation into the matter, and we will get back to you. Zero of that sort on the Chicago Blackhawks. And I just, to me, 
I, it looks bad on the Blackhawks. It looks bad on the league. It looks bad on the sport. And it's not just that. I haven't even mentioned Logan Mayu. There are literally all these things that are going on, and the NHL is taking the wrong approach to everything. And I haven't talked about hockey culture and how bad it is, how you're basically allowing teams to pick a guy like Mayu because he's a really good player, really talented guy. But, you know, he's done all these things, and I would say most leagues would never draft a player like that. But, hey, it's the NHL. Anything goes. Yeah, uh, you and I have talked on the Blackhawks situation at length before, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. I I will say I do think the NHL is right to launch an investigation into Evander Kane because that that is serious stuff, betting on on your games. We know how that went down with Pete Rose and the MLB, and that should be investigated. But at the same time, as you mentioned, you know, both of those things should be investigated by the league because both are very serious accusations that the league should have they they can't sweep it under yeah they can't sweep it under the rug it's going to keep rearing its ugly head until they address it head on same with hockey culture hockey culture you and I have talked about it at length before as well it needs to change and until it changes I really don't think hockey can grow as a sport Mac all right well this was fun it was great to do this show in person we've been waiting a long time for this so we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'll hand it over to Matt, and we'll sign off for the day, guys. Well, as Max said, thank you for listening. It was a great pleasure to be here at Max's place to do the show in person. It feels like uh, early 2020 all over again before all the madness started. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening, and enjoy the games, guys.